Hey, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Report Card. Uh, with me this this week is two very jubilant uh, gentlemen. Uh, Blake, how are you, mate? I'm fantastic, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Enjoyed the, the weekend's rugby. And Jim, how are you today, mate? Really, really, really good. Green, greener pastures on this side of town, Richard. I thought it was gold pastures, no? Nah, green. Maybe uh, gr- a shade of purple. Green and gold. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, not sure why you're so chirpy, Richard. Oh, I just look. I'm excited to to see the rugby this wing. I'm excited to see what shit you two try and lay on me this week. Uh, and Jim try to backtrack and say he knew that was always going to happen. And you, obviously, Blake. I, I know you don't like to gloat, but I'm just excited how far you are going to go with this gloating. So. I'm with Blake there. I've never seen someone so excited after being so fucking wrong. <laughs> it makes no sense. Hey, you got to laugh in the moments of despair, surely. No, nah, no. Nah. And I will do exactly as you've, uh, you've claimed there. Um, I've been calling for Quaid's head since Eden Park to start. And, and the only thing is claiming for his head to start, yeah. Um, Chopping it off. But I wanted him to start in Perth. We would have at least levelled the series. Or not levelled, but two ones more respectable than 3-0. Um, it's just a shame that we had to wait until um, our first game against South Africa. I've been calling it, saying it would have, would have been great, and he won us the game. So, And I bet you're going to be like, no, I stand by my British statements. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I would also like to say that... Um I did listen to your two-tier system last week and your justification for playing Tom Banks. So I, I do question some of the statements that you throw out every now and again, Jim. Two-tier system got some traction, mate. Check social media, got traction. <laughs> got nothing on me, Dick. <laughs> I hear Argentina's interested in doing the same thing. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's, uh, it was a really, I really enjoyed this weekend, rugby. And you know what? After the Lions series, I'm actually glad South Africa won. Uh, South Africa lost, sorry. Um, because it is hopefully going to be a triumph. As much as I do, I have to say, Jim, I do stand by my comments. Uh, I'm glad that South Africa went down. But where do you want to start? Do you want to just look at it uh, uh, collectively as a whole or do you want to talk about individual players? Uh, I'd prefer starting by you handing me some humble pie. In what way? Just a nice, big, juicy slice. Yeah, fucking cut up too, mate. <laughs> uh, what, 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 what would you like me to say? Um, no, let's get into it. And, and I guess what I wanted to say is I find the um, fickleness of us all hilarious. Uh, ha- had he missed that kick, you'd be on here telling us he didn't play that well. We'd be conceding. We'd be telling you all the guys that are bums and need to be fired. Here I am. I want to make a statue to Quade Cooper. Uh, he should be granted citizenship. I love Tom Banks. I'd take a bullet for him, all because we won by two points. And I, and I just, I don't know, I love that about being a sports fan. It, it's genuinely hilarious to me, um, that, that hyperbole and, and that passion um, and how wrong you were, Richard. It's the only way to experience it. Um, you, you have to invest everything you've got, your firstborn. Uh, you have to throw it all in to ride the highs because nothing picks you up like your sport team winning. There is nothing like it. It's unmatched. I love it, just like I love Richard being wrong. Modern-day suburbia is grim. Our lives are <laughs> horror stories. All right, We live a living hell. We need to project our lives into someone like Quaid and Richard being wrong, and that gives us meaning. And I'm with you on that. The fact that it's the narrative too, right? He was... Um, ditched from the team, said, we don't want you, Quaid. And he went, you know, he hung out with Sonny for a bit, 
He went over Japan, boxed a few folks, uh, just did his work, played his country team, played for his club team in Queensland, only to be recalled to, to, to kick the winning goal to win against the world champions after beating the Lions. There is nothing like it. That and Richard being fucking wrong. <laughs> I guess, or can I say this? Beal, <laughs> Burke, Mortlock, Eels, Cooper, and Richard being wrong. <laughs> can I just is huge that in moments the, as well? Be last one. He does. He does deserve a statue of Quaid to be erected. Um, I don't care if it's Brisbane, the Gold Coast, Townsville. He deserves some statue being erected, just as Dick does too. He needs a statue erected. I don't know where you'd put it, but where would you put the the statue of Dick being wrong? Suburbia? Can can I just ask, have you just said that you want Dick erected? (laughs) I just want to clarify. As long as you acknowledge you're wrong, (laughs) that can move ahead. (laughs) Pushing on. That's funny. <laughs> um, can I just say, just as a, as a side point, um, what did you think of the game as a whole? I agree with all that point, and I feel sorry for your partners in your life that this is your high point, and they weren't mentioned in either of those things. But uh, just talk as a big picture. How, how, what did you think of the game? Uh, I'm going to double down here, and I'm going to take a pot shot at the Poms. I'm going to go even further here, and I'm going to say um, South Africa, and, and, and I can say it because I called it. Okay, South Africa are a very beatable rugby side. They win by not playing rugby. Uh, and that, it almost won them this game. Three rolling ball tries, a couple of shit up and unders. They kick their goals, which they probably do if they don't quarantine. They win this game of rugby. Um, but, but I just think what I thought, what I took from it was, what does it feel like as a British and Irish and Lions fan knowing that you just never played football against them? I mean, the the statistics this week came out. I think it was New Zealand passed the ball 260 times. Australia passed the ball 150-odd times. South Africa passed the ball 54 times in the entire game. And when you look at the Lions series, every game was about the same, and the Lions were pretty similar to South Africa. So what I took from it was this is one that I give to Dave Rennie. If you play South Africa at their game, they're going to beat you. No one scrums, malls, lineouts quite like South Africa. Um, you have to take them somewhere they don't want to be, and they just don't look very comfortable there. So I don't, they, I, don't, I don't actually agree with that because I think you're doing a bit of a disservice here. You're talking about Dave Rennie, and I think he needs a lot of praise because ultimately you change strategies. And I, I stand by my statement. If you tried to play like you played against New Zealand, you would have lost, but you played smarter rugby. You played in a more game management orientated way. You talk about stats, okay? Last oh, week, we last week you ran 678 metres. This week you only ran 280 metres. Okay, you, ru- you you won less rucks this week. You missed less tackles this week. Okay, yes, because of the strategies that, that, that South Africa played. I don't pass the ball, mate. But the, the, but the fact of the matter is, you played smarter. Like Quade Cooper was the archetypal Northern Hemisphere rugby. He looked at Karevi, who in my in my opinion was the man of the match in that game on on Saturday. Wrong. He used him as a I don't care. He used him as a, as a great option as an inside centre. Okay, to get over the gain line. He didn't throw any speculative passes. You know, he defended not in the 10 channel. They hit him out of that area. So I, I'd actually disagree with your point uh, and wholeheartedly at that point, Blake, because you played, you played more like a Northern Hemisphere team in that way. I don't think our attack changed that much, though, with Quaid at the helms. I don't think it changed that much at all. He just wasn't frazzled. 
He he never really lost control, and if he did, he's got the mindset to get back on course. It was still Karevi ball for days. Didn't see Lenny Cattell mm. on the field other than a couple of great shots um, and that great left boot kick that they haven't fucking used yet, have they? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, I don't think our attack changed much, and we should be super concerned because we still can't defuse a high ball. Um, yeah, we'll get to the high ball in a minute, but I, I guess I'm, I'm just going to double down on this. I don't think we improved dramatically. I think Quaid bought game management, which we have not had for... But isn't that then then you improving? Isn't that yeah, then sure. you improving? I'd say we've improved there, but, but I'm going to go further. I just think we play the All Blacks too much. I think against any other side... It's been about a 50-50 split in the last five years. If you look at England, they've played the All Blacks once in five years. And we beat them. We played them four times in the last month, three of which in fucking New Zealand. Um, I just think that this Wallaby team has been done a huge disservice by starting every season getting walloped by the All Blacks. Mm. And it's horrible for selling the product. It really is. And I don't want to bang on about it because I know you guys take the piss, but there's something about that two-tier system that's just fucking it makes sense <laughs> just don't even that. televise it just make it a tickets only people would love to go and watch it it'll still sell a pay-per-view <laughs> sure yeah you don't put that shit on channel nine at 7 30 on a saturday night fuck no one wants to see that i i do think you're being a bit harsh on on, on the wallabies in terms of they did they didn't progress that much i think the credit where credit's due and i and i think there was a huge improvement as a collective as well as individual and look even if you'd have lost by two points there was still a number of of uh, developments or evolutions of gameplay and game management that needs to be that needs to be praised. I think we picked a five eight for the first time this season. Everyone else was about on par with what they've been delivering, which has been pretty good. We've sat here most weeks individually; each player is pretty yeah. good, but we've lacked that game management, and we we can't defend New Zealand. We, we're just going to bleed thirty four points to Who them. Who can? Exactly. But South Africa, we can defend them. We can't defend the Rolling Mall. Oh God, we can't defend the Rolling Mall. Yeah. But we can defend the rest of their attack, yeah. um, which is why I think the scoreline Australia was pretty comparable to where we've been. It's just we're able to defend. Um, there, there's no Bowden Barrett. There's no Geordie Barrett. There's no Mawanga. There's no just ridiculous threat who's going to cut us to shreds when we make an error. So mm. yes, our defence proved dramatically with only four missed tackles. Um, but I, I just don't think we we face too much attack. Um, but I do think our tight forwards absolutely muscled up. Um, and, and that is where lots of accolades need to be thrown on this team. Uh, and I was really suspicious of the pack that we picked. Um, Angus Bell, I thought that was a lamb to the slaughter. He was incredible. Um, Ala Latoa held up his end of the scrum. And I thought both second rowers put in a shift. Uh, and if, you, if you're going to match the Bockies, those boys have got to show up. Now, all the credit will go to Quaid. It will go to Karevi. Um, but really, th- those boys up front, they showed up um, and, I, and they did set a platform. So I, I will certainly uh, acknowledge that those boys played a lot better than we have been against New Zealand. But, but I do think um, South Africa just weren't up to it. Uh, they didn't look like a really good side, whether that's quarantine, whether that's flying. Um, the come down of such a big series that they've just won. All of those things. But with all of that said, I want to enjoy this moment. Australian rugby have needed this feel-good fairy tale for, for a long time, and I enjoyed every bloody second of it. I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch. 
I think that's the important thing. You need to, whatever we think about South Africa underperforming at the weekend, and I still do think they, they did, but you've got to celebrate the wins. They don't come around that often when you when you uh, beat one of the big nations around the world. Even England have not done it that uh, that often, you know. So it's about celebrating those moments because it builds momentum. And it, it's about all about trying to make sure that in the next game you back it up and it just doesn't actually become a one-off. Yeah. I wanted to take uh, take some time to talk about the malls and their place in rugby because I've had some shower thoughts and these tend to get a bit wild, but I think... Excuse me, me. can you confirm what you just said, please? The shower thoughts used to be a hashtag on Twitter that just turned up some absolute gold. Do you remember that, Blake, when we used to follow that shower thoughts dude on Twitter? And it would just post these queries that he would have to himself in the shower (laughs) and they were fucking proper perplexing. But... um, Just a trend that was going along, statues and shower thoughts. And I know the influence that we have here, it was our call for the 20-minute red card that made that shit happen. Because I think where it comes to the malls inside the 22, if, if it's just so confusing and such a fluid part of the game that is, it's just you, you blink and you're offside and committing a professional foul. I think the penalty try is way more deserving or a better result than just a flurry of yellow cards and us watching them all four fucking times set. I'd almost rather just see penalty try, mate. That's twice you've done it. They're giving it. Let's go. Moving on. I'm just so done with attack in the 22 and how fickle, to use that word, it is that mall D. Like, obviously, when we challenged, the, the big one was pushing before the ball was set. That was just us being, being fucked. Like, that was right. I'm down for that. But then everything else, like, they just, the mall moves. It's, it's no longer, it's center moves left, moves right, and the blokes at the front with their heads down, fucking smelling ass, have no idea where the centre of that mall is. They, they don't know, and they just get pinned and yellowed for it. And every person who gets sent off from the mall goes, I don't know what the fuck just happened, but all right, I'll do with a breather. Yeah, I was just <laughs> waiting to see. That was a, a wonderful soliloquy. Uh, I think um, you just got to be careful with it. I agree with everything you said, but we also need to be careful about how we referee that mall as well. Uh, there's too many times I think attacking teams get away with not binding properly or, diseng- or disengaging and then re-engaging. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, times where the referee sees the ball go down and just gives a pe- gives the try. Um, I don't want extra stoppages, which contradicts the point I'm just about to make. But I do feel we d- we actually need to um, look at those when there are when there is a try because I reckon at least 50% of them. Uh, would actually be called back for an infringement, either coming in at an incorrect angle, uh, not connecting properly, etc. So, I appreciate the hypocrisy of what I'm saying as a Brumbies fan. Oh, God, I appreciate the hypocrisy. Um, but I, I just want to build on what you said, Richard. I think what's happening at malls is they're too complicated to referee. There's too many intricate things happening all at once. You, the line out, do we have an efficient gap? Is the line out throw straight? Is there contact in the air? Is there engagement early? Have they passed the ball back correctly? Have players bound correctly? Is it moving? When does it stop? Is it moving backwards? Is it moving sideways? So the refs get overwhelmed. Yeah, and on top of that, both the touchies were Aussies. So none of them are throwing their flag in to go against Razzie. Um, exactly. And no, but I think what happens is the referee only referees the defending side. Uh, and, and it's clearly a trend, and I haven't done the stats, but Richard, I know you'll you'll do your homework. Um, when it's in the twenty-two, the penalty to the attacking team must be at about ninety-nine point nine percent. Anywhere else in the field, it seems to be better officiated. Uh, I guess is what I would say. But I don't want to be negative about them all. 
because uh, yes, it was one area where we struggled. I don't think anyone's stopping that South African ball. It's a beastly thing. I do find it boring as a fan, uh, and I do think it is uh, officiated for the attacking team, and, th- and that works for every side. Um, I, I want to enjoy the wins. I want to enjoy how bloody good Samu Krevi's been. I want to enjoy Quade Cooper's game management. W- honestly, um, what did you boys expect going in and what do you give Quade for his game? I know you're worried about his defence leading into it, him passing to grass, the fact that he hasn't played professional rugby in a number of years. Um, he's done some weird self-help shit with SBW. You know, what did you guys think and what did you think about his delivery of that? His whole game, kicking for goal, fucking off the charts. But tell me about the game. What did you boys think? Before I just talk about that, because I think you've actually answered your own question there. But in terms of the actual, the last thing about them all and having, making it too complicated, I think you need to be a bit smarter about it. If the referee's got so many things to look at, use the touchy. Most of it's from a five meter out. Touchy's got to play a bigger role in it. Uh, but I agree with with everything else you've said. Uh, in terms of Quaid, I didn't have, I really thought we were going to see an old version of Quaid who was um, frantic. Uh, tried to do too much himself, tried to take over the game in a negative way, uh, try and defend at 10 and defend poorly, and South Africans would run a lot down his channel. Um, I think what we saw, though, as I've already kind of mentioned, was a player who was confident in his skill set to be able to shift the ball to a to a 12, who was able to get over the game line um, a number of times and relocate and understand what his game was, understand what his limitations were and play accordingly to it. I've never seen him kick that well in terms of off the tee. Fantastic. Absolutely amazing. That's what you need as a, uh, as a world-class 10. Um, but also need, credit needs to be uh, paid to the fact that when um, he did have to defend, you know, he, he made an effort to get in the right place at the right time. And he won the battle with Henri Pollard, who uh, there were some South African fans who were talking about how poor he was in the South Africa seri- in the Lions series. And I think he was poor in attack and defences uh, and kicking. So I think he won that duel. Look, I, I had Quaid doing everything that was asked of him. I had him, I had him defending in the 10 channel. Um, I didn't see him move too much off the set piece, not standing there ready to take on whoever was running at him. I just think that 10 channel is so cluttered now. If you're running there, there's too many Lucys coming out of the line out. There's too many wingers uh, getting involved too, that it's not a one-on-one situation anymore. The one-on-ones lie outside of those 10 and maybe even 12 channels. So I think it's okay. Um, I didn't see him sort of stood up in that area. Um, other than that, look, it wasn't great. There was still a few flurry of circumstances where no one really knew what they were doing and the attack stalled. Um, I don't think that shit fixes overnight, especially when you, when they're not challenging the ruck and they're happening too quickly for us to get set. Um, I thought Tate was a bit slow in that regard, which probably put Quaid under a little bit of pressure. But what we're seeing in him is what he was spitting out at the end of the game where He's just talking about, fuck, man, it's just a game, man. There's so much more shit that i got going on. That 32-year-old perspective, and it's probably like that in the game. When something does break down, he's just on to the next thing. He's not stressing about it or, or trying to express himself through a mullet or some shit. He just moves on. I, I agree with that point of just just development of partnerships as well. I like the fact he showed a bit of variance. He tried the little chip over the top to, to be able to stop the rush defence. However, he does need someone on the shoulder anticipating that's going to happen rather than doing the chip and the guy five metres behind and then trying to run up. But it, it wasn't a great chip. No, it wasn't. Uh, but at least he was showing uh, adaptability or playing what was in front at times. Um, but the big thing for him is can he back it up? You know, we got another. We got another game. Can I just say, I think you boys are being incredibly revisionist on Quaid. There's like there's this narrative that's taken over 
Um, he is statistically our best performing 5A since Bernie Larkham. Better than Foley, better than Giddo. Better than Foley. Of, what are these stats, of, man? You're a one-stat pony. Yeah, you know, some tweet about passes. Yeah, 99%. No, in terms of win percentages, Quay Cooper is our best 5-8. He also took the Queensland Reds to a premiership, the Rebels to their best season ever. Um, he has always been a fantastic player. I think he had a mid-career crisis post-ACL when he lost his speed or his flair or his sidestepping. Yeah. Uh, and I think he had some attitude problems um, when it came to coaches, him and Checker clearly hated each other. That didn't fit. Him and Thorne clearly didn't get on. There was some sort of all-black legacy there. So I don't think it was some crap mercurial player who's all of a sudden matured. He's always been this talented. I think he was mismanaged uh, and had a bit of a mid-career injury lapse. Oh, I Honestly, I liken him, and, and I just think it's a really apt analogy. He reminds me of Benji Marshall. A superstar young kid who uses his athleticism to beat other sides and had this sort of mid-career lull where he was rediscovering what it means to be a mature playmaker. Um, and Quaid's arrived there. And I think, honestly, Brad Thorne's done great things at the Reds, but I think had Quaid Cooper been the Reds 10, would be swinging off his nuts like we are James O'Connor. I think he is that talented and this wasn't an anomaly. And the fact that he could do it after having not played for so long shows you the natural talent of the bloke. He's clearly in a better headspace um, with someone, you know, like Quay. That, that's obviously really, really important. But I'm not surprised. Um, I think this idea that we expected him to be shit, I never bought into it. And no, I neither did he, I. He played like Quaid, right? You, you get rocks and diamonds occasionally because he throws that extra pass. Um, but he, that's who he is. I think he is a good footballer. And I think right now we are picking blokes who've played one or two seasons of Super Rugby. I think to manage a test match, it's unsurprising that the bloke who's played 70 tests, played the All Blacks a bunch of times, beaten the All Blacks, beaten the Bockies, gone to World Cups, won Super Rugby titles. It's no surprise that he's a better 5'8", that he can help his young halfback. It, it just doesn't surprise me. I, I, I got what I expected from Quaid. What surprised me was his goal kicking. Um, that was fucking awesome. If you follow, if you if you follow him on Instagram, man, every second video is him chipping away at goal. Loves that shit, mate. I tell you what, though, I, I'm proper work's been put into that. In, in all seriousness, though, I can't really cop the bro shit. The SBW chat. It no, obviously means. Oh, a lot can to I do him. a bit on that? Did so you guys fucking... stick to the coverage on Stan at the end? Like when we win, mate, I watch everyone. I want to know what the fucking touchies have to say. I was, I was watching at three a.m. Yeah, I love it. And then what's his name? Rennie gets on the mic and Sonny throws him a question. <laughs> He's calling him Brother Holmes. He's dropping all this lingo to the Wallaby coach. What do you think, brother? <laughs> what's he doing, man? I reckon Sonny's got a ticket to do whatever the And it's not great. <laughs> whatever you want to do, mate. No, it's just, just take the pressure off him. Don't get him to analyse play. Just let's start with questions. You just ask this question. He'll get there. He'll get there. Will he? Talking, I don't think he will. Uh, talking <laughs> of questions, uh, Blake, do you feel you talk us to be about revisionists? Do you feel like you're picking and choosing your history, though? It's getting personal. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. 
I'm, of course I am. I'm picking evidence to suit my argument. Yeah, I'm absolutely. hoping we move on with the conversation so I can <laughs> so I can win and we can push on. Um, yeah, he had some shit days, but fuck it. Name a better 5'8 in the last 10 years in Australian rugby. I would argue Bernard, Bernard Foley is, is... So would I. Yeah, I've got to go with Richard on that. Mate, the fucking amount of times I sat and watched that bum suck. Not him. <laughs> and just look at the stats. He isn't. Can you provide me with those stats? I fucking, I had, I had it. My phone died. It's oh, legitimately, it's oh, a classic. Thing. All right, ready? Win-loss record in the last 12 years, it is Quade Cooper. Confirmed. Can you give me the numbers, please? Um, no, but I can. <laughs> Not give, me, give me a matter of moments and I can. Will this change, Richard? Am I, will facts change your argument or is your mindset? Is there any point me persevering with these numbers? Because I'll get them. Oh, boy, I'll get them. Oh, look, get them and come back to us. Yeah, I don't want to sit here and wait while you Google numbers. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, mate. Look forward to it. My phone's dead. I'm not. I'm, I hope he doesn't want to shout with them shortly. <laughs> um, I'd like to move away from Quaid, not because I feel like you've won the argument or anything, but I, I want to go to the type five. You said today they, they all played well. I think you're, in, you're in a hurricane, Richard. Oh, sorry, mate. Uh, talking about uh, stats or what have you, what I don't think showed up on the stats was was Isaac Rodder's impact within that game. Um I think Lockie Swinton's was better executed in terms of uh, ruck time, which was obviously much improved. <laughs> now, now you're doing the traffic report over the M4. <laughs> <laughs> go okay. down to Parramatta. We go down to I just have to run away from you boys. I wanted to hide, but now you know where I am. That's the problem. Um, yeah, so I thought that thought they did. There was a lot of unsung heroes within within that pack that need to need to be recognised. There really were. They definitely showed up and had this one marked on the calendar. It definitely looked like that, which is a huge effort. Probably didn't see enough of Tupo, in my opinion. I um, think. Can I talk to that, Jim? I think what's happening is Al Alato is leaving the squad. Um, he's got a bub on the way, so I think the plan was. So there's a keep- lot of lot of children around right now. I know what was going on nine months it's, ago. It's the domestic oh. comp, mate. They're not going away from home. <laughs> uh, nine months ago, it was all happening, wasn't it? But I think with Al Atoa stepping out, they know Tupo has got a lot of minutes to finish this season. Um, so I, I actually think the decision to play Al the last few weeks, so many minutes, <laughs> uh, has probably probably been some sort of forward planning there from the coaching staff. But I agree. I would have loved to see some more Tupo. And you've got to give it to him, mate. That penalty at the end of the game was Taniola Tupo. Yep. Yeah. The ref was, was it, too nervous to blow the penalty. Was he... Um, he gave was, a concession penalty to Nick White 30 seconds later. But that was all have, him. Should he have got pinned for the penalty probably three minutes earlier, though, and then you lose the game? What was that for? The scrum penalty down before. The one we won down the other end of the field too, but the ref was too nervous to blow a penalty within kickable range. Sure. No, I don't think that. So. I don't think so. Sure, sure. So let's talk. Let's talk about some turning points in the game because there's a few things that went on. You were you thinking, pulling your hair out, going, "What the fuck is going on?" And the one that stood out for me was the tackling that Falau Fainga thought he could get away with. Now we've seen this get spot out by Tatar for many, many years, right? Until they were like, "Shit, this is dangerous. This can't go ahead." And then out of nowhere, you see Falau Fainga running in and just taking out knees with no arms. And he did it a couple of times before he actually got pinned. Swinton was the same. There was a couple of times where Swinton um, shoulder charged as well after adding him in. See, it's a bit more forgivable that than what we were seeing out of Falau Fainga. I just just can't come to terms with how he thought that was going to be okay. 
in mm. everything that's changed in the game, his face when he finally did get sent off, as if like, what are you talking about? The only mm. way that face was justified is because he did it for he did it five times before they did anything about it. Mm. But it's just stupid. The game is on the line. They are in our twenty-two. What are you doing? I don't mm. like that guy's shtick, man. His attitude post that penalty rubbed me the wrong way. I agree. It's that's that, that's silly things that we talk about uh, performing in the clutch moments, and we talk about executing, but that is also executing in the clutch. You know, particularly down when you got five meters, you know what you should be doing, and it's just a brain fart, and it does happen too often. I absolutely agree. It's just way too dangerous and needs to be cut out of the game. But both of those blokes have been doing that since day dot, right? And my question is, what's happening at training? Why aren't they like, hey, Falau, um, hey, uh, 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 put the donut down and um, let's look at some tape of this tackling. Yeah, quick chat. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Fanger. Cheers. Yeah. And, and and the pie, don't eat that either. A uh, couple of, I would actually, if we talk about game-changing moments, I wouldn't say it's a particularly game-changing per se, but as soon as the game started and South Africa started to aimlessly kick and kick super poorly, you know, boots, the ball coming off the side of the uh, side of the boot, you know, just uh, poor chases. I thought that was a big thing. It's right early on from, from the beginning of the game. I thought that was a, a, a big thing. Yeah. And I don't think they'll kick that poorly again, South Africa. Um, they're obviously that their whole game plan strategized around that. Um, I think we were poor diffusing the up and under, which, which is, worrying going into next yeah. week yeah number um, but, 31 but, didn't have a great game under the high no he, no he didn't but he actually played okay in the, the rest of the game i thought i thought mm. he had one of his better games um yeah look my problem with south africa is you, that's it I, t- I just don't see the rest they clearly have the talent in the back line to to set you on fire um but i've only seen it off kicks like mm. i've never seen those boys set up through a pass uh, it's they, they just exclusively live and die off the boot. But nothing's going to change. They've they've learned to suffocate teams and it's become successful. Yes, they lost to New Zealand in the World Cup group stage game, but they've become successful. They won the rugby championship the last time they played in it. They beat um, New Zealand and Dunedin. They, it's a formula that they deem to be successful. So I absolutely agree. They've got some devastating backs, but because their strategy has been successful, they're not going to change anytime soon. But I would say that in terms of their kicking, they need to exploit the back three. I mentioned it last week of Australia. Still don't work together well enough as a back three. Mm. I, I feel like they need to execute. They need to exploit that a little bit more, whether it's through factor clicks, better box kicks, or whether it's Pollard's uh, cross kicking. And, and I'm shocked that Nick White was the first person to get the 50-22 because I, you would have thought the New Zealand, the South Africans would have exploited Fuck, that. that was a moment. Wasn't that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of moments, um, here's some statistics of Wallaby fly halves in the last 10 years. Uh, Giddo, 58%. O'Connor, 51%. Bernard Foley, your boy's favourites, 48% win rate. Quade Cooper, 64. Can you actually tell me the your source of information, please? Where, uh, what website I, have you got that from? As any good journo, mate, I don't disclose my sources. All oh, right. That's 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 interesting. These oh, games are cherry-picked too, but Foley's playing fucking World Cup finals. Quade's playing Argentina on debut. Mm. Italy on debut, sorry. A UK mm. website, Richard. There seems to be a bit of a delay. <laughs> Is someone feeding you information? Like, by I, don't chance? I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Um, I thought Lucanio Arm, uh, like, man, this was their game to win. We've had no business winning this game. But he had a, a typical poor game, typically poor game um, for the South Africans. And I'm not expecting them to do a repeat of performance like this. What I think South Africa need to do is 
(laughs) How many tears are in this system? (laughs) Is I hope they walk away from this comp challenging how they approach playing their, their football. I mean, what we've seen them do against the Lions and what we saw them do against us, it's just not, uh, it's just not going to hold up as, as time progresses. I'm worried about them sticking to this brand of football. What evidence um, is there to have for that? I know. I realised that halfway through <laughs> that there was no evidence of that. But, um, but fuck, they, they just, they've got so much more talent than that. They can play both types of football. They just can and they, and they won't. So I'm frustrated and I'm hoping New Zealand put 100 points on them. Do you know what? I, I hope the New Zealand score a shitload of two, but I'm going to repeat yourself. South Africa have that ability to suffocate and it may just turn into uh, a drab uh, affair. And I hope I'm wrong because New Zealand will counter, counter-attack better off uh, poor kicks and poor kick chases. Uh, but I hope you're right. But I just don't see it happening because, again, I know I'm repeating myself. They found a formula for them that works. But yeah, if I was a, definitely never been quick enough. If I was in that back three, or even um, I'm in an outside centre channel, I'd, I'd be getting bored. Pass the ball, guys. Just pass the ball. Just pass it once. Give us a go. But again, I see why they do it. They were down in the doldrums, and Rassi came in and 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 created this culture and and sense of community, and and I get why they're sticking with it. And you know, there's not many times that Etzebet doesn't have a great game, which I don't think he did. You know, Mustard, Diaga, you know, I just don't, I don't think they played you that well. You know what, though? To, to, to just last poor comment I've got to say about South Africa, and then I'll build them back up, you know, because I know we get a lot of Bokki fans, and I'll build them back up. Uh, but last thing I'd say about them is that they're, they're not built to play 80 minutes. The reason every forward is 185 kilos is because they're just making out with the physio most of the game. Every time the fucking whistle blew, there was another Bokki on the ground doing their shoelaces up, feigning a heartery. Um, they, they, they really play a slow game of mm. rugby, not just set piece and kicking. They, they enjoy some time with the physio. Um, it, it, like it's a slow burn. Their, their whole style is built around that. But what I would say, I, I entirely agree with you, Richard. South Africa have built a brand of playing rugby like that. It's a shit brand, uh, but they've built a brand playing rugby like that. And if they execute which they pretty much did against the Lions um, and they do against most teams, it's really hard to beat. Um, It's almost impenetrable. The problem with their game, though, if you don't execute 100%, there's not a lot of money in the bank. Mm. There's not a lot of try-scoring opportunities. So I think it's a style of rugby which leads um, and relies on consistency of performance, which they've been able to do. Uh, but I think where they'll struggle is when they find themselves in an eight-point deficit or more um, or when things aren't firing, like their goal-kicking or their kicking in play. I think you nailed that as well in terms of chasing. I think what was a huge advantage to the fact that the Wallabies, for the first time in a long time, actually had uh, were in front on the scoreboard, which actually put South Africa under a little bit of pressure and made them chase a little bit more. Uh, which I thought was a real advantage and, and benefited the game management style of, of rugby that, that Australia wanted to wanted to play. Um, Did this take away the um, the atmosphere of All Blacks Springboks? No. Like, let's say Springboks dust Australia next week. They absolutely won't. We're heroes. Quade Cooper is a god. Uh, but let's say they dust us next week. Is it is it back on? Are you just as excited? World champs versus All Blacks, or has the has the bubble burst? I'm still excited because there's still such a contrast in styles, you know, and I go back to that point. I hope the, I hope the All Blacks win because there'll be a triumph in inverted commas for rugby, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But 
I just feel that the neutral in me wants to see that that battle, that conflict, and starts to see who comes out on top. And as I said, South Africa could lose to Australia again, and they and then suddenly they they nick a one point win against the All Blacks. You know, it's just it's that that could happen. Um, so no, it doesn't dampen my spirits to to look forward to that game. Mm, I'll be rooting for the more attractive style of rugby here, won't I? But it but it's a matches your persona. It does, <laughs> but it's a it's bittersweet because that's the style that we can't win against, you know. So I want that style to fail, but I also want it to prevail. It's mm. it's it's a tough spot to be Australia at the moment. Well, England have, and we had this conversation several times. England, when they play fast, up tempo rugby, they play uh, play really well. When they play other other nations that want to play slow. We, we also do quite well. And then we seem to come up against South Africa and we try to outmuscle them. And it's not just the World Cup final, but multiple times. We don't have a plan B. We can't do it. So but that, that was my point with the Lions series. Yeah, I, I you agree. Know, when you had a Finn Russell, just unleash him. Oh, absolutely. Um, this team, you know, they, they do look beatable, South mm. Africa. It's, yeah, it's that addiction to playing them. At absolutely. The Speaking of, um, I really did enjoy someone else getting blasted in the ass by the All Blacks, though. Wasn't that nice? Wasn't that a fun change of pace? Yeah, not a point scored against them. Just watching Argentina cop it. I, I thought they played okay too. Like I, I, the the score the score line does not speak to their defense enough. I thought their defense was was quite well mustered. I thought it was quite courageous. Um, it's just the All Blacks though. So they lose um thirty nine nil and. You guys lose 57-22. There's only two points differential. So are you the same as Argentina? Well, it means Argentina are equal with the box. So we've got an interesting comp coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play that game, Richard. Oh, I knew you, you want to do rugby math? I'll do rugby <laughs> math. <laughs> I don't know who the stat dude is anymore. I can't keep up. <laughs> oh, I know. It's Blake. He's overtaken me, man. Um, Should we project to next week? Yeah, but I just want to say how enjoyable is it to watch the All Blacks when they're not playing you? I Mm. loved everything, but that ball, Bowden Barrett threw out the back after breaking the line. Oh, like you, uh, there's not enough money on the earth. That's rugby at its finest. Um, I loved every minute of it. Uh, And it's just normally us on the receiving end, and I hate them and I despise them. I appreciate it. It was actually nice just watching the All Blacks do their thing. Does anyone feel with Argentina, and this is what worries me when people are like, include Japan, include Fiji, and the, the rugby fan, the you know, grow the sport guy feels this. Do you feel like those things are always short-term? And then, you know, in year one, the fact that they're close is exciting. And then in year two, oh, they're still close. And it's by year four or five, it's like, ah, they're not that close. Uh, they got their win. They got their win. They beat South Africa last year in South Africa or two years ago. Um, but it, it's not sustainable. That's yeah, the issue. I, I just feel like when people always champion these crappy sides to join comps, it's a bit short-sighted. Um, but they did beat the All Blacks last year, though, didn't they? It's the lefties, mate. It's the lefties. <laughs> it's the lefties. <laughs> I, th- I feel like uh, you're being a bit narrow-minded in regards to Argentina. I think them more than any the many countries, I feel they go through their four-year cycle with their ultimate aim to go towards the World Cup. They're consistently building. And I think when we look back over it, yes, they beat the All Blacks. Yes, they've been in England in the past. Um, I think that's just a snapshot of the weekend, but it's not a true reflection. If the comparison to the European rugby, if you look at Italy, they're joining, they've just gone backwards. There's not the growth within the game. They haven't brought through the young Italian players to come through, whereas I feel there are more young Argentinian players that are wanting to play the game. So for me, there is still a, there is still a growth 
Um, and a, and, and a great I answer. think of, of anyone from COVID and Super Rugby dying, they copped it the yeah, most. Absolutely. The, the Haguaris were a, a farm for them. They were a sanctuary for Argentina, at least starting the competition really strong. Yeah. Um, and then they, they've just copped it and been on the receiving end of that. Yeah. Um, just, just quickly before next week, any other notable Wallaby mentions? I mean, Andrew Kellaway is try scoring strike rate. It's up there with Campo and Lottie Takiri. Is this kid the real deal? Uh, yes, but I'd still like him to play at fullback. Yeah, yeah, that needs to happen. Ah, yeah, it needs to happen. To say something nice about Tom Banks, has he become the scapegoat for everything shit in the back line? It looks that way, yeah. No, I'm cool know. with it. <laughs> That's what I say. Aren't we the ones that started that? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, look, the one thing about uh, uh, Callaway is what excites me is his elusiveness. You know, we've said that so many times. He, he's very wiry, he's changed of direction. I just think with a, when he's at fullback as a, uh, a kick return, I just feel that excites me a lot more than, you know, if he's safe under the high ball. That excites me, I love a lot more than what, than what number 31 does at the moment. I don't think Callaway is going to be that much better under the high ball than anyone else in that back three. All right, James O'Connor's fit next weekend. We've been calling for him all season. Uh, what do you do? Based on everything you've said, you might as well send James O'Connor home because Quaid's in here for the long run, isn't he? No, send Hodge, send Hodge packing. Nick White can kick the long ranges. Um, I'd probably even put Nick White to start. The, the big question coming out of this was, did we play better in the first half? Nick White the to second start? Half? The question was James O'Connor, man. You can't I, I'm, I'm jumping around. There's no structure. <laughs> Um, but James O'Connor can't play. No, he can't walk in. No, he's no. So start him on the bench? Start him against Argentina. Bring him back in a more mild environment. And you can't say anything other than Quaid because you've just exalted his value. Oh, no, of, co- of course, Quaid. I'm calling for Quaid to the World Cup. Yeah, do you know how many people will be tuning in next week? <laughs> Twiggy Forrest, get out the checkbook, mate. Hang on. Hey, I reckon Sonny might fund it. Sonny's going to fund Quaid it. Quaid for the next World Cup. <laughs> No, oh, no, that's what you just said. That's what you just said. Quite yeah, stand, for the next I, 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 Genuinely, I'm, I'm going to stand by that. He'll only be 35. Um, and I'm going to go one further, Tom Brady. There you go. I actually think in the modern age of sport, I think when we were growing up, sport was all about the prodigy, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old, uh, because they had something that the sport was energised and changing. I think as we've matured, you know, as our beards have greyed, I still can't grow a facial hair. But as we've gotten older, um, I think what has happened in sport is the longevity of professionalism uh, and, and the benefit of experience. And I think in rugby, every position is different and you don't see it on the wing. Uh, the expiry of a winger seems to be closer to 27, 28. Um, but I think at a position like 10, th- th- there is potential to, to play for a long time. Um, whether, um, you know, whether the World Cup's being a bit absurd, you know, he's played one game. Let's see what he can do going oh, forward. What a game. But, but I, I don't rule it out, mate. I, don't, I genuinely don't rule it out. He's, what, I, one year older than James O'Connor? The impact that he's having on that squad. Rewind the tape. Listen to every press conference they talk about of how big of an impact he's, hanging, he's having on those younger folks. I just like the fact that you've been talking about as you've grown up and matured. Mate, you're only 32 or something like that. Seriously. But, but don't you think sports change? No, mate, I haven't ruled me out that? for the world. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Does that mean you two are already? But don't you think 10 years ago, it was 15 years ago, it was all about wonder kids and oh, this yeah. kid out of high school? No, I just Not think that. you were a kid out of high school. I hope you did, mate. <laughs> and now I'm empathising with a 33-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's completely anachronistic, my perspective. <laughs> 
dear. Um, but no, I'm picking Quade Cooper next week and um, I, I'm picking him to, to push on forward. I'm the Western Force. I'm getting out of the checkbook. Yeah, I, I think it's a great call. Absolutely. I think Brad Thorne and Quade will never work together. I think the Tars um, have clearly, they've got to pick and stick now. Mm-hmm. Um, Brumbies have got Lola CEO, and I think you can't imagine Quade would be itching to go back to the Rebels. Um, if I'm Quaid, I, I join the force, mate. Tell Twiggy get out the checkbook and, and I make a play for the World Cup. You know what? I would initially say, yeah, that's a great idea. But actually, now you've said about the Rebels, maybe there's more of a bit of a structure there with Tamua there and and, and obviously jo- and, and, and Powell there. You can't have Quaid and Tamua playing together. I don't like it. But who's the kid, the, the, the young guy? What's his name? He's been carving the 10 at the Rebels. Pink, Pinkus? The young kid who came on. No, nah, no, nah, he's the fullback. Starts with H. It's not Hegarty. I don't know. That's but that picture. kid. People are sitting at home screaming at their Hodge? Not <laughs> Hodge. Definitely, definitely not Hodge, man. Um, but no, yeah. I'm picking Quade Cooper to play next game. Sucks to James O'Connor, but he can come off the bench. Um, I actually quite like the option of James O'Connor off the bench as well because of your the reason that you mentioned in terms of Quade's left lost his little bit of spark because of his ACL. J, James O'Connor is a little bit more loose. Um, and potentially in that last 10, 15 minutes, I know this is a horrible thing to say about because you want your, your 10 to stay the whole game, but it might become more broken broken up, and I think that's to James O'Connor's advantage at that point. Yeah, so bring on Quaid next week. Shall we project into the games next week? What do you, what do you boys reckon is going to happen? Australia v South Africa. Um, you know, will South Africa miss their goals? Can Australia be that clinical? Does Australia have more to give? Will we only in second gear? What do you boys reckon for next week? I think both teams will improve, but I feel the result will be reversed. Yeah, I was going to go with the South African victory as well. Fucking Neg Nellies, man. Uh, I just think there are a lot of flaws in our game and there's an argument to be made that we had no business winning that one. Outrageous. We were the only team playing football. Uh, It doesn't matter. Australia by more. Um, My actual answer comes down to who leads after 20 minutes wins the game. I think if we lead, we'll have the confidence to get it done. They don't chase very well. If they lead, mate, that that up and under, that rolling mall, it's just a machine. It's too hard to stop. But Australia at Suncorp are going to get this done. We're going to lead you, after 20. Are you anticipating any changes in the lineup? Not in terms of South Africa one because they they didn't play. Most of that team didn't play against the, the Argentinians in South Africa. So I reckon the Argent uh, the South Africans will get sent out again and be like, you know what, you lost. Go and prove your worth. Let's go. You know, bring the bomb squad off the bench again. You've lost. Let's make amends. And in terms of Australia, I think it's very hard when you've just won a game against the world champions. I think it's very hard to make a change uh, within that team because you've got so many players that stood up. Uh, the only one that potentially that I would could see change is I would agree with Tate McDermott. I think his pass off the back of a, the ruck is still a bit slow. He crabs sideways. Um, so I would bring Nick White into that position um, and everyone else, I'd pretty much stay the same. Yeah, I anticipate Nick White starting too, though. Look, if I had to put cash on it, he stuck with McDermott this whole time. Yeah. Um, I, I can see him seeing that through. I'm expecting Luke Diaga not to play for the box, Moster to go to five and Quagga Smith come in on the side of the scrum. Mm-hmm. I just think the, him over the ball really stopped us in our tracks and it makes us play so much more tighter, which is what they want us to do. Mm-hmm. They throw in a Quagga Smith and a Malcolm Marks, that pack goes up another 10%. The, Quagga, um, the, only, issue, the only issue with Quagga is, is line-out option. I think it limits your line-out options a little bit. Can I just say... 
Lockie Swinton, we haven't spoken about him much other than his dumb tackle. He's a genuine line-out option. His height at six is huge. He stole line-outs against the Bockies. Really excites me. It's an element of his game I don't think we've ever really acknowledged here, but he's a genuine jumping option at six. Yeah. I think that's really exciting. Uh, with Australia, I expect Tupo to start with Alatoa going out. Um, and I expect Nick White to come in for Tate. And that's no respect, disrespect to Tate. I thought he was sensational. Um, but I think with his running game, he'll be a real threat off the bench. Um, I expect James O'Connor on the bench. Um, no other changes, I would imagine. Um, although I wouldn't be sticking with Tom Banks if it were me. No, nah, but they will be, mate. They have to. Um, yeah. Do you stick with Pollard with how shit he was? Yeah. I think they're going to. Whether I would or not, I think the question was, is there going to be any changes? And I think he's been shit enough over the last... You know, even the Lions series that I don't think there's there's enough there to evidence to suggest that they're going to change their plan. Didn't mm. Karevi stand Dialande up? Dialande mm. is a bloke who everyone froths on. Karevi yeah. just schooled him. Dialande's got no lateral movement. Mm. He's, I agree a, with he's that. a he's a glorified Tom Carter. Yeah, I thought wow. Damien Willemsar was was good though. He's got a boot on him, and I thought he's got some spark. And look, I'm not a, I'm not the stats guy, but he, for 15 minutes of play, his stats are looking pretty good. Yeah, but the kick, he missed that 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 uh, goal from what the fifteen mark. If he yeah, if he slots if he if he slots that, the guy's tied. And you know you love a tie against South Africa. Yeah, I forgot about that bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, all Blacks, Argentina. You guys predicting a boil over? Yeah, yeah. I, I expect it to be within five. I, I think it's going to be close. What? What are you nuts? No, the boil over. I meant it was still going to be a comfortable All Black win. Oh, I thought we were talking about the Bucky game. Sorry, boys. No, no, Argentina or Bucks. Yeah, yeah, murder. Win, win. <laughs> murder, murder in Queensland. All right, put you two on the spot right now. There was a tweet I saw about someone talking about uh, Michael Hooper being the best player in the world, okay? Uh, you, which I disagree with. I think he's an outstanding rugby player, but I disagree with him being you the best would. player of the I know, you both hate me, I know. Uh, who is who is the best rugby player on the planet right now? Jesus. Um, based it's off, hard, it's hard. It's my time non- frame of looking at here. Yeah, it's hard in a non-World Cup cycle um, with their Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere ten, seasons not matching up. Ten seconds, mate. Brody Retallick. <laughs> I'm going Rico Yuani. That's madness. Really? That's wrong. Mate, every time he touches, it's a line break, mate. He's the yes. most threatening dude on that field. Mm. He's very good. Mm. And I don't see anyone in the British and Li- the, the Lions team doing any of that shit. So I don't count anyone from the North. That's the best you got. None of them. So you just you're just classifying them the north now, not even individual nations. Yeah, you're just, the only you're just nation I consider us. up there would be France, and I saw that, that nine there. from France is legit. Yeah, there's a few French players which are absolutely. Yeah, I, I just don't know them. I just don't watch them enough to, yeah. to say they'd make the All Blacks. I forgot Willemson missed a kick. I'm going to remember a French dude. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, who's your best player in the world? If I just. I'm just surprised that you haven't mentioned people like Richie Mawanga, who's outstanding, Bowden Barrett. Just you reckon know, just... Bowden Barrett. Bowden Barrett was on the tip of my tongue, but I just still think he is um, doesn't. He's never been a position, so it makes it hard. Yeah, Richie was that... on mine, but if you, in all seriousness, it's probably Brady Retallick for me. <laughs> You're such a knob, <laughs> Richard. Who's your pick, mate? Um. I, I'm probably just saying for overall, maybe maybe Richie Mwanga. But I, I, I hear you in terms of Rico Arnie being just devastating. But just the overall skill set is probably not the best player in the world. But yeah, probably, yeah, probably Brody. But Brody Retallick is a good shot. 
I'm not sure. Probably let's go with Richie in the end. Let's stick a, let's get off the fence. See, I wouldn't even pick him for the All Blacks. I'd pick Bowden Barrett. It's an impossible. How much talent do they have, those bastards? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And, and the only other point I wanted to mention is at the end of this game, I, I read an article in the Telegraph. It was actually, it was a really good article. Um, I think it was um, about the, the game and Quaid and blah, blah, blah. And it just got me so G'd up. Um, reading about it and remembering the weekend, and fuck, I love being an Aussie rugby fan. And then I got to the co- then I got to the comments, mate, and it was just fucking nag Nellies. Didn't even know the game was on. Rugby in this country is dead. How shit's rugby? Was it even on TV? How late did it start? No one was watching. No one at the game. Um, can rugby come back from this sort of negativity? I, I guess this is the the attitude that I take towards it too. Like when I bitch about the malls. And when we whinge about people taking a knee at the 60th for 20 minutes, we're talking about rugby as the spectacle and, and it's shooting it in the foot. When we talk about the, the up and unders, and that's why it sucks that it's such a good tactic because it's shooting ourselves in the foot. And the whole basis of the two-tier system is to create watchable <laughs> rugby, is for people to see a contest that is engaging. All right, I'm going to defer to Richard. Anyone whinge in that in that comment section about how we just get our asses kicked in the first five minutes of every time we play the All Blacks, which seems to be every other weekend at this point? Yeah, that's my and I, I went back to that last week. I visited. I won't. I won't build on that. But I don't know, Richard. Are you sick of the negativity? We're we're rusted on, mate. We're in the bubble. We love this shit. Okay, I couldn't sleep after that game. But can rugby overcome this negative stigma? Yeah, absolutely. And all you got to do is win win rugby games. It's as simple as that. Just you keep just, winning. You just got to win, and whatever it is, as as humans, we love to latch on to the a team that's winning. Look about the fact that uh, the Tars, when everyone, when when the Tars were winning, everyone turned out and loved the the, the Waratahs. Whereas suddenly they start losing, and everyone drops off, and no one goes to the games. It's the same in the big picture. If the, the Wallabies and the world needs the Wallabies to be a hugely successful brand. But and they are it, with Quade Cooper, Richard. Yeah. They are with Quade Cooper. It's the narrative. Um, it's the yarn. Yeah. And I want it on record that I don't normally read the Daily Telegraph. It just came up on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, we've got, obviously, the game going on at Suncorp Stadium too this weekend, which is the fortress of rugby, um, the unbeatable turf. So we've got that on our side. So, you know, it could go either way. Um, obviously, Sean McMahon back in the squad, Blake. Yeah, huge. And I think that is testament that Dave Rennie used to coach him. Um, yeah. Rennie saw his talent. Uh, I think he coached him in Japan. He's not getting a start, time. though, right? Don't tell me he's getting a start. I think the language out of Rennie at the moment is very much um, COVID. You know, if we if we have a shortage in that position, but what very position? quickly. But what uh, position though? Because he's not a six. He's not at an international level. He's not a six. He's not really a great seven. And again, I haven't watched him in Japan, so you, everybody here can shoot me down. But like, what is his position? How does he get into this team? I think he's a six. I think right now, from what I've seen of Sean McMahon, he's better than both our six and eight. He'd yeah. walk into that team better than both of them. Now, I don't pick him because he hasn't been in the squad. But he, what have you seen? Um, just last time we played for the fucking Wallabies, mate. He was two percent worse than David Pocock. The guy's a fucking freak. Why did he throw? Why did he throw the toys out of the cot and piss off? He, what was that he's all about? identical rugby player to Michael Hooper. Yeah, just a tash, tad more abrasive and a tad less breakdown. Um, and Australian showing rugby said they were going with Hooper. Mm. When you were behind Pocock, Hooper, what are you going to do? You're not going to take a billy a year. To go drink Asahi's in Japan. I definitely take the Billy. No dramas. 
Um, but he's off contract in 2023, and I think he, he'd be a red-hot World Cup chance. Yeah, well, Hooper's getting on, isn't he? Yeah, I, I don't even think for that. I think pushing for number six. Right now, I pick him over Lockie Swinton. Yeah. And McMahon's a freak of nature, mate. Yeah. Is, is his stock risen, though, because we they haven't seen him enough? Yeah, everyone fucking reckons Skelton. Skelton's going to mend the trade between China, they reckon. <laughs> <laughs> but not just that. I think McMahon... Just because he did a couple of good seasons in the, in the North. McMahon in rugby sevens. McMahon for the Wallabies, mate. I never saw him play a bad game. Do you know what? That's just you just mentioned sevens, man. I just want to bring this full circle. Did Quaid Cooper, did, did Cooper revolutionise the game of, of, of sevens? <laughs> no one's going to get that. It's too no, far back. It's too I far back, Richard. I don't you lost care. this argument. I don't, I don't care. You two get it. So that's all that matters. So everyone else. Um, I, I want to ask a quick question moving on, actually. I saw a report come out um, that they're actually discussing potentially a biannual uh, Rugby World Cup. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Where'd you read this shit? Where? What are your sources? Uh, my source was... What the comments say? The comment says, World Rugby Chief Executive Alan Gilpin said staging the Rugby World Cup every two years instead of every four years is an interesting concept. Gilpin's is a bit of a dick. Oh, really? Did you meet, where'd you meet him? Um, it's a terrible idea. The, the four-year cycle is fine. It's cash. It's got to be cash because it goes... In terms of ratings, it's got to be COVID coverage, Rugby World Cup, Soccer World Cup, Olympics. It just brings in so much money, that competition. And that's what the Pacific Islander nations and those real poor, struggling nations who don't get enough game time probably need to stay afloat for the code to survive in those lands. I don't like the idea and I don't like the idea of Rugby 12s either. That can go suck eggs. Yeah, fuck that. Um, But I think we've digressed too far from one of the greatest weekends of Australian rugby. I enjoyed every second of it. Um, Quade Cooper immortalised for Australian rugby fans. Immortalised. (laughs) The greatest weekend ever. The great Quade Cooper. The glorious Quade Cooper. Never shall his name leave a tongue in distaste after what he's done. I I just, I just, look, I really want him to play well this weekend, but if he doesn't Oh, you don't, Richard. If he he doesn't play... The lies. If he doesn't play well this weekend, you two will be on here going, he's fucking shit, it is to get rid of him. If he does, I want you to send him a fucking written apology. Yeah, if he plays well, Richard, you write him an apology. Fucking, I want to read it. And I want you to get a mullet. Hey mate, it's COVID times. I've never had a haircut for a while, man. It's probably over there. He plays well again. You cut yourself a little, a little 2010 Quade yeah. Cooper mullet. Jim, weren't you getting a Quade Cooper tat Sunday night? Oh, Jim. I heard that. Yes, I heard that too. <laughs> what? I don't remember. Yeah, this. I, I second that. I, I, I saw that. Yeah, I thought about it. It's COVID. Everything's shut, man. It's got to wait. It's got to wait. But that's us, people. That's us. I believe. Is that right? I just want to say in my letter to Quaid, I'll let him know that you're having a tap for him and we'll take a picture for him, yeah? Yeah. I want you, your, um, your letter's going to start with, Dear Quaid, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, people, nice to chat. Looking forward yeah, to the weekend. lovely to chat. Looking forward to the weekend. Bring on more rugby. Yeah, thanks, guys.